0: All right, praise the Lord. Good morning. You would turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 37. I'm going to read the first 15 verses. It says, Do not fret. Boy, we don't use that word a lot anymore, do we? Fret? And... um Let's see, David uses it three times in the first eight verses. So I want you to start thinking about what that word means and what we think it means because it's important to understanding the psalm. But he says, Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither. And like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. And he says it again, do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Look for them. Uh, They will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow, they bring down the poor and the needy, they slay those whose ways are upright, but their sword will pierce their own heart and their bows will be broken. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we love you, Lord. Uh, Lord, we delight in you. and. Uh, Lord, we just ask this morning that you would speak directly to our hearts, Lord God, that you would remove um, remove me, Lord God, and um, Lord, I pray that I would hide behind you, Lord God, and you would be glorified, Lord. And uh, Lord, I pray that you open the heart of the listeners, Lord, that they would hear your word today, Lord God, directly from you to their ears, Lord God, in their heart, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The title of my message is, Delight Yourself in the Lord. Now, this scripture, like I said three times he says in here, do not fret. And I think when we think of the word fret, if we ever are familiar with that word, we think probably worry, or anxiety, or... You know, just being somewhat upset, you know, fretting, thinking about something lingering in our mind. How many have ever been there, you know, and you watch the news and you feel like you're living out this word, fret? Well, the word is is a very fascinating word. It um, comes from an old English word, fritan, which means to devour. It gives a vivid picture of that a person is allowing something to eat away, gnaw away, or produce envious, agitated, vexed, or a worried mind. And um, so when you think about fretting, you need to think about the root of that word, which is literally saying it's something that is making you angry or making you agitated or making you worry or making you have anxiety, And so it turns out this is a very important word. Because as you go through the course of the day, uh, you're going to flip on the television and you're going to see politics. And this word is actually going to materialize in your life. And it's going to materialize itself so well that you're not going to be able to tell the difference between a believer and a non believer. Because both are angry. Both are fretting. Both have anxiety. Both have been agitated. Both are speaking out of anger. And David here is giving us an alternative to that life. He's trying to tell us there's another way to do it. There's another way to do life. And he gives actually an opposite of this. And... um he gives eight different things here that are kind of the antidote to fretting. In verse 2, he says, understand the evildoer's final fate. Verse 3, he says, trust in the Lord, which indicates if you're fretting, you're probably not trusting in the Lord. If you're fretting, you're probably not understanding the wicked. Okay? Uh, in verse 3, he says, do good. So if you're fretting, it's affecting your ability to do good. you understand these are all alternatives to fretting? You can fret if you want, but this psalm is telling you a different way to live life and a different way to um, engage people. You know, fretting is a way to engage. It's a way to get on uh, social media. It's a way to get... um, Uh, Have a connection with your friends and be angry and be agitated and be um, upset and to have worry and to have anxiety and have a feeling that the world, the world is falling apart and we have no hope. But David has given an alternative. So if you have if you're fretting, you're not understanding evildoers' fate. You're not trusting in the Lord. It affects your ability to do good. How many have ever been there? You read something about the, you know, liberals or something about the Democrats or something about the Republicans or something about the news or something about, you know, the way something went in the world or something that a friend said about you or something that a friend did or something. How many have ever been there? And you are engaging the world through the lens of fretting. And um, God actually probably wants you to do good in that situation and has ordained a divine appointment with people around you, but because we only see through through the lens of fretting, you know, this upset mind, this uh, agitated mind, this irritated mind, um, we're not able to look past that and we're not able to see through that and we're looking through a lens of a mind that has not been... Uh, changed by God that day. And so David is kind of telling us how to do it. Verse 3 says, Cultivate faithfulness, commit your way to the Lord. Verse 5. Verse 5 again, trust Him. Verse 7, rest in Him. And verse 7, wait patiently for Him. So he gives eight different things here that um, are kind of the alternative to fretting and living your life that way then he goes a little further and he says something that I think is um, very fascinating. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. And it's not a suggestion, it's a command. He's asking us to delight ourselves in the Lord. And that is kind of the thing that changes everything around when you delight yourself in the Lord. And uh, I was... um, In the prayer room Wednesday, and um, I was just, you know, my prayer time is a delight. It's an enjoyment. It's something that I just look forward to all day, because a lot of times when I walk in to our prayer room, I've got weight. Uh, I've got anxiety. I've got worries. I've got concerns. Uh, Sometimes I have anger. Sometimes I have Uh, bitterness, you know, and I walk into the presence of the Lord. I walk in and delight in His presence, delight, and just really I don't come in with anything. I don't come in with a list. I don't come in with um, concerns I need to bring before Him. I just sit in God's presence and enjoy Him. And when I was sitting in there Wednesday, I spent about two hours just enjoying God's presence. And as I was in God's presence, I was experiencing what I would call spiritual weightlessness. You know, I've never been in space where there's no gravity and you have weightlessness. But I have experienced in God's presence where just everything is gone. Like every burden, every failure, every weakness, every everything is just gone. And there's those sweet moments In God's presence that I can tell you about. And you say, well, why would God want you to tell me this? Because there are two spies that went in the promised land, and they brought back grapes they had to carry on sticks, and they said, this is a good place, and uh, we're bringing this back to show you what it's like, and uh, we can take the land. And the promised land is the place where God wants you to go, but how many know uh, we need to send a spy in there to see what it looks like and bring something back? And in God's presence, and you say, well, man, is this biblical getting in God's presence and just being alone and spending lots and lots and lots of time in God's presence? And is this a biblical thing? What is this you speak of? I'm being sarcastic. But in God's presence, I could feel perfect peace. I don't know if you've ever felt perfect peace in this life or not. I could sense perfect love. I could do nothing but cry for about an hour because I felt perfect love. Some of you have never experienced perfect love, you know, where God just loves you so much and, and loves the fact that you're in His presence. Um, I could just feel perfect, just a state of perfection I don't feel ever in this world, but in His presence I did. And I thought, man, Lord, how do I go back and tell them what that feels like? You know, to feel everything just gone and to be fully unshackled and fully unburdened and fully not even a weight of the world even on you. You know, everything that goes on in the world, everything that goes in the church. And, and, um, and I can't explain other than to teach you how to get there in His presence and, and how to delight in Him and how to love Him and and how to have that perfect peace that passes your understanding. And, and, uh, and God just speaks over you and God just loves you and God uh, just wants you to be in His presence. And so David here, uh, David is very old when he wrote this psalm. And you say, well, how do I know that? Because verse 24 says, or on, 25 of, of chapter 37 says, I was young and now I am old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. So David is an old man here. And David is speaking about how he lived his life without fretting. And David had a very, um, you know how hard it is to be a president? You see him at the beginning of their four years and after their four years and you watch like an individual like Donald Trump's presidency and you wonder, man, how hard is it to do that and to go through all that for four years? And you see that with each president. Well, David was the king of Israel for 40 years. And it was a glorious time. He won many battles. He died at the age of 70. And so how many think that David had 40 years of what a president here has for four years, David probably, (laughs) for his 70 years, that 40 years probably aged him. And not to mention the years before he was king, he was fighting giants and, you know, uh, dodging spears from Saul. Uh, Seventy years, he did a lot of living in 70 years. And here he is old, and he's trying to say, this is how the Lord taught me to not fret. Well, if David cannot fret, then I cannot fret. Because he had a nation to run. He had constant people trying to overthrow his kingdom. He had constant enemies trying to encroach his nation. How many know David had a lot of things to fret about? But David had something else that I find very fascinating. David had a place called the Tent of David. And for his 40 years as king, that tent was there. How many know that? And that tent, all the nations came into that tent. In fact, in Acts 15, we see Gentiles begin to receive the Holy Spirit, and there's a council at Jerusalem, and they're saying, hey, should we let the Gentiles join the church? The Holy Spirit's fallen on them like it is on us. And uh, one of the men rise, I believe it was James that did it, and he said, this is a fulfillment of what God said, that the fallen tent of David has been risen again. And so what was the tent of David? The tent of David was 24-7. David hired ministers, and they played worship music in this tent. And somehow God allowed the Ark of the Covenant to be in that tent, and all of the nations came in there and worshiped for 40 years. So David, when he uh, felt like it was time to fret or worry, guess where David went to? He sat in there and the greatest musicians, and by the way, David might have been the greatest musician in the nation at that time, but all the greatest musicians would play worship music 24-7. And David could go to that place anytime he wanted, you know. And God is saying that that tent that David had that fell is now open again. And he's saying we can go into it. And so David is telling a psalm here about he, how he used to go in to the presence of God and the fretting would just be gone. And so he's telling us we can do the same thing that he did. And he goes on and he says here, he starts off, he says, Don't worry about the ungodly. He says, Don't fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity. For they will soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. In fact, one commentator, Dr. Boyce, says the words do not fret literally mean do not get heated, which is also how we might express don't get worked up or be cool about it. Now, how many of you just this week have said, man, that makes me so mad. That makes me so mad what this politician does or that politician does or this person does or that person does. And we walk all around all the time and you say, well, I'm not that type of person. Well, how many times this week did you say, that makes me so mad? <laughs> and we say it doesn't. we're not susceptible to it, but we're still brewing, right? And so um, David is saying that you should not worry about the unrighteous. Don't worry about evildoers. How much of our day do we spend worried about evildoers? How much time do we spend worried about the tricks and the deception of the opposite political party? How many times do we sit and stew about what evildoers are doing in this world and David's saying, totally unproductive? You spend all your day mad and boiling and fretting i got to get rid of that word fretting because you get the wrong idea with that word this fretting is a boiling over it's a upsetting uh to your soul it is all day thinking about something other than god okay other than thinking about doing good other than you know living for god this fretting is just taking over your life and he says don't fret Because they will soon be cut down like the grass. David gives... In fact, uh, I was looking this up. The Middle East, do you know that their grass can actually die in a day with just one good harsh wind from the desert? And so if we're fretting all day and we're angry and our adversary is an opposite political party, or a neighbor, or a co-worker, or social media, which you can say whatever you want, because they're not real people out there, right? We can just say whatever we want, and it doesn't matter, right? No. God is saying that if you're fretting, and you're angry, and you're full of this, then you're not considering that their life is almost done, you're not considering that they're going to last for a moment and be gone forever. You ever thought about that when you sin? sinned on your, that they're going to be gone forever soon? And so our mentality is messed up because we're fretting and we're not trusting in the Lord. This is harsh what David's saying, but it's true. we got to be different than the world. Hallelujah. So that's the first point he makes. The second thing he says is, verse 3, he says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. And this version says, feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So he's connecting this with not fretting. And understanding the fate of the righteous, or unrighteous, Right? So he's saying, trust in the Lord and do good. Do you think maybe he put that verse there after fretting and recognizing that the unrighteous are going to be gone forever, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Do you think maybe, just maybe, when we're fretting and we're angry and our heart is full of bitterness and we're going after these people to show them that we're right, Correct? Do you think maybe that our eyes are very unfocused and we're not doing good? Because that's what David says. Trust in the Lord to do good, which connected with those first two verses implies that we stop doing good. Right? Is it harder or easier to do good when you've had a political argument? In most cases, just ask yourself this question. Am I really going to change their political beliefs with this conversation? In fact, there are many scriptures and proverbs that say don't argue with that person. Don't have the argument. Just be the bigger person and realize you're probably not going to change them and maybe your intention maybe isn't even to change them. Maybe your intention is just to be right. And what it's going to do is it's going to blind our ability to do good to those people because those people are going to wither and be gone forever. That's big. He goes on and he says, Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. So, what about this? What about this um, fretting? makes us not dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Because He's doing it in response to those first couple of verses. Don't fret. Because He says it three times. It's the theme of this early part of this psalm. So if we're not feeding on His faithfulness and dwelling in the land, this is an indication that you're enjoying the good things in life. And you enjoy God's faithfulness and you're eager to speak His faithfulness. Do you think that in some way, and this is what he's implying here, I think, is that when we're caught up in fretting and angry and bitter and and getting in these political arguments, did somehow we stop enjoying life and feeding on God's faithfulness? Did somehow we stop being Christians who are loving the good things of life and all the blessings that God has given us And we're walking around just like the world, angry and and with hatred. And God doesn't want that. In fact, you can find um, in the Scriptures, uh, people of God, it doesn't matter what's going on around, uh, they're well fed with God's faithfulness. They're in love with God's faithfulness. They're in love with God's presence. They're in love with God's Word. They're in love with God, and they're so in love with God, that you don't find them walking around angry all the time about politics. Amen. Right? And I'm just saying, most people in here that I know of aren't like that, but I know there are certain days that we lose because we're upset with what's going on around us. And God's saying, get your eyes off of the enemy and what the enemy's doing, and get your eyes on me. It'll turn you into a cross-eyed Christian. You know what a cross-eyed Christian is? That means they've got one eye on the world over here and they're mad and they're angry just like everybody else and the other one's on the Lord. And how many know that's not a good way to have clear vision? But faith takes those eyes and it focuses it back in on the one object. And the one object is Jesus Christ and his faithfulness. And we've got a good God. And by the way, we've got a really good life. We've been blessed by God in a million ways and we're going to miss that if we're angry just like the world is. And God doesn't want us to be angry. In fact, God doesn't want us, to, you know, I don't, I don't think God want. I mean, God doesn't mind if you tell him all of your problems. But how many know day after day if the only thing you hear from a person is their problems and all their wounds and all their, you know, and, and it's like, I heard this yesterday. How many of you have ever been there? Yeah, I heard this the day before and I heard this the day before. And then you see them walking in and what do you know? It's going to be the same thing. And so I think a lot of times when we're, how we set aside our prayer time and our time with the Lord kind of determines how our relationship is with the Lord. I mean, if you set aside, like for me, my time with the Lord in there, in fact, I told the men Wednesday night, this is probably bad for a leader to do. But I told them, I said, guys, I said, I almost feel bad. I don't really want to meet with you guys. I didn't really want to leave the prayer room because I was having such a good time with the Lord, and my alarm was set for 6, and I had to come out and meet with you guys. And No offense, but I was having a really good time. And sometimes you set aside your prayer time, and it's a delight, it's a joy, and you just can't wait. I just lay in God's presence and sing worship songs to Him. And I just let Him talk to me. I keep my mouth shut most of the time. You say, that's impossible. No, it's possible with God. <laughs> Yeah, the only time I'm quiet is when um, I'm being fed. You know, that's it. When I'm eating, I'm quiet. And so when I'm feeding on God's faithfulness, my mouth shut. I just let God speak to me and talk to me and love me. And, and so God wants us to come into His presence. And I don't think God wants it to be a constant complain fest and a constant, you know, God, this is what you did wrong. This is what the world did wrong. This is what my neighbor... I think sometimes God just wants to come in and enjoy Him and love His presence, and enjoy His presence. And of course, God will put on our heart intercession and different things He wants us to do, but I don't think we're very good at intercession until we first enjoy being in God's presence. Hallelujah. But it says, dwell in the land, feed on His faithfulness, delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Now, I think that also is very important. And he will give you the desires of his heart, and I think they also indicates that he delights in you. In fact, Proverbs eight thirty one says his delights were with the sons of men. God really wants to delight in you, and he really wants you to delight in him. God wants this to be a reciprocal relationship, and uh, he wants you to just love to be in his presence, and him to, and he wants to be in your presence mutually. And it says, he will give you the desires of your heart if you delight yourself in the Lord. So this is one of the things that I find to be the most important. In fact, I think it's the center of what he's trying to say here is the delight in the Lord. Well, how will the Lord give you the desires of your heart if you delight in the Lord? Because if you're in the presence of the Lord, um, not only does he take away the um, tendency to fret... But He also gives you desires that you didn't have before. In fact, when I walk into God's presence, my desires are very different than the Lord's. In fact, sometimes my desire is to punch people. How many have ever been there? You say, oh, well, you're a minister. You should never say that. The desire sometimes is just there. And so my desire when I walk in is different But then when God begins to unburden me, suddenly my desire is not to punch the same people. My desire is actually to love that same person. How is that even possible? How can you walk into the presence of the Lord wanting to harm somebody and walk out with, I'd give my life for that person? Because the Spirit of the Lord is the one that works righteousness in us. And so when you go into the presence of the Lord regularly, those kind of attitudes just can't stand. When you're in the presence of God and you experience, and, and I'm really stressing a prayer life here because I believe it's what the church is missing. The church is really, in fact, I think the church uh, needs to study the Word more. But I think even more, I think the church needs to learn to get in God's presence. I think both are equally important but I think we do a little more of studying the Word than we actually do spending time in His presence. I think the one is more neglected than the other, and both are terribly neglected. But getting in God's presence and Him putting desires in you that weren't there before. How many know that man is, and I'm going to include women here, are all sinners? We all come short of the glory of God. None of us have what the Bible calls a righteousness that is acceptable Before God, everything that we think and everything we do apart from God is always going to be a filthy rag in the presence of God. And so, David is showing us how do you get rid of fret and anxiety and the normal nature of man's thoughts and actions? I mean, no, that's normal to fret and have anxiety and to blow up over the world. How do we get rid of that? He says, delight yourself in the Lord. Get in the Lord's presence. The Lord will quicken the word. The Lord will quicken your spirit. The Lord will change your attitudes. You say, "Well, man, I, I was uh, I was eating the other day, and I said, I said, Lord, uh, bless this food," and you said, "And nothing happened to me, you know." And I pray that all the time, and nothing happens to me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about intimacy with God. I'm not talking about saying grace over your food. I'm not saying, you know, that that quick prayer before you go to bed at night. I'm talking about a relationship with God where He can change your emotions and change the way you feel and take away your burdens and your anxieties and your fears and all that garbage that we live with, and you can live in weightlessness. Weightlessness. You say, well, what's weightlessness? It's when all the selves are gone. We've been reading self-help books. We've been trying to find ways to make self better. We're trying to get self-esteem better. We're trying to get self-everything better. And the Lord's saying, hey, I want to get you away from self, and I want to pour me in you. He said, if self dies, you'll rise up in me. And I'm trying to get in God's presence, and I'm trying to do the opposite of what your local bookstore is trying to do. I'm trying to teach you how to take on Christ, because Christ is better than you in your best form. And so spending time with Christ... We're going to be more like Christ. We're going to talk like Christ. We're going to act like Christ. We're going to be um, versions of Christ and live his life through us. But David is telling us how he did it. And David did it because he delighted in the presence of the Lord. Do you know there was a point in David's life where he was driven from Jerusalem? In fact, his own son... Rose up against him and drove him from Jerusalem. And David was writing psalms. you know, most every psalm in the book of Psalms, most of them were written by David. and almost every one of those psalms were probably written in David's tent. David was experienced the presence of God, and he was anointed by God to write all these hymns uh, in the presence of God. In fact, David is ran from Jerusalem by his son. Now, picture this. David lived in a mansion. David lived in a king's palace. David uh, basically was the most revered person in the nation. Um, How many think you would like to live in a royal palace and have the wealth of David, which is probably beyond just about anybody in his day? How many would like that? I'm the only one. You guys are so um, opposed to wealth, you would never want to do that, right? Curtis I'm glad you're honest thank you me and you but david never writes a hymn that says how much he misses the palace i miss the palace so much i miss my you know um i miss all the wonderful mills in the palace i i miss the wealth of the palace i miss my you know my fine garments from the palace david never says that David writes Psalms and he says, Man, if I could just be that little bird that made his nest in the palace. If I could just be a doorkeeper or a bird, or I think at one point even says like a spider that makes his web there. He said, Anything, if I could just be back in the presence of the Lord again. That's what he missed. He missed that tent and being in the presence of God and and, and, and loving God and delighting in God. And because David delighted in God, somehow God took the fretting away. And he goes on, and he says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also on Him, and He will bring it to pass. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. You say, well, wait a minute, what's he doing here? David was falsely accused he was betrayed by his closest friends. He was, he was always fighting. In fact, you read his Psalms, he's always fighting people that have betrayed him. How many have ever noticed that with David? Constantly was betrayed, constantly harm was done to him, constantly fighting these, and you see him coming before the Lord regularly and saying, God, how do I deal with this? And God was just like, trust me. Trust me. Don't defend yourself, David. Trust me trust me with this, trust me with that, trust me with this. And David just kept committing it to the Lord. And you say, well, what do I do? Because they're making false accusations to me as a Christian. You know, they're trying to harm me. They're trying to do bad to me. They're trying to do this to our nation. They're trying to do that to our nation. They are constantly on me on social media. And, And he's saying, trust God. If you trust God... Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, He will bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as light and your justice as the noonday. That means if you just trust in God, keep doing good, love the Lord, get in His presence, guess what's going to happen? How many have have ever looked at the noonday sun? Anybody ever done that? You're not supposed to do it. That's why I do it. Because I'm not supposed to do it, so I just stare at it. Right? How many have ever been like me? Like, don't do that. Yeah, okay, John, I knew you would. Yeah. You can tell which ones we are because we run into stuff a lot. We don't see real well. But the Bible says if you just trust the Lord and quit getting into all these arguments and quit being angry with people that are opposed to you, and you just serve the Lord and keep doing good and trust in Him, He said they're going to see your righteousness. And it's going to appear to them like the noonday sun. That means you're going to stand out so brightly in a world that is dark that people, it's almost going to hurt people's eyes. How many you know that? we got to trust the Lord, we got, but you got to, it all goes back to the Word. In fact, we like that. We like that saying, yeah, God's going to make my righteousness shine like the bright sun. But what we don't like is the delight in the Lord that comes first. So if you've been in God's presence and you've committed your way to God's presence and your weapons of warfare aren't like the world's, your weapons are getting in God's presence and hearing His wisdom and trusting the Lord and being in His presence, you're going to come out of that prayer room like the sun on a dark night. Okay, It's going to be like a dark day and the sunshine is going to come up and brighten everything. But it all goes back to in fact somehow we can hear that promise and never hear the delight in the Lord. Like we've got to delight in the Lord, we've got to get in his presence, we've got to get away from all these negative conversations that are causing us to react in a way that's called fretting, okay? And these are the promises that he gives if we if we do that. We'll shine in a dark day. How many think that we need a lot more people shining in a dark day instead of arguing? instead of trying to make political presentations, uh, and try, instead of trying to look down on people. Um, how many know it's a bad thing to look down on people that are completely wrong? Somebody could be completely wrong, and I dehumanize them by looking down on them. You know, my goal is to win them. My goal is not to win an argument. There's a big difference, you know. You say, well, if I win the argument, I'll win them. No, you're not going to win them. You're just going to make him more angry, probably, winning your argument, okay? Um, but we love these arguments. Then he says, um, Find rest in the Lord who deals with the wicked. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him, do not fret, because of Him who prospers in His way. Okay. So here he's saying, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him, capital H. Don't fret because of him who prospers in the way. Now, who's the one that prospers in the way that you're fretting about? How many have ever watched political television and you say, Man, that is an evil, evil plot. And not only is it an evil plot, but it's working. (laughs) Right? And you go home and you say, That makes me so mad. So mad. It's working. Well, David's talking about that here. He's saying, don't fret whenever they prosper and when when their plans succeed. He's saying, wait on the Lord, put your trust in Him. Fight with spiritual weapons, not physical weapons. Remember, the Bible says that our enemy is not fleshly, our enemy is spiritual, It's spiritual strongholds, spiritual principalities in high places. And how many know when you're connected with the King, when you're connected with the Lord over all the earth, why am I worried about the wicked? Why am I worried about what their plans are? Why am I worried about what their um, intents are? I go to the Lord for those things. It says, "...rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in the way." because of because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. So he's very clear about who this one who is prospering in the way, he's the one that brings wicked schemes to pass. Some of you are looking at me right now and you're saying, man, I wish it wasn't that specific. (laughs) I wish he didn't define that it's the wicked whose schemes are coming to pass that I'm not supposed to go after, I'm supposed to wait on the Lord and let the Lord bring justice. But it says it, It says it from a man who would know, David, cease from anger, forsake wrath, and do not fret because it only causes harm. So now, the wicked's schemes are coming to pass. He's telling you, stop being angry, forsake your wrath, do not fret, because your fretting will only cause what? harm. You know what? I waited a long time for this word this morning. I wrestled and I fought for this word to make sure the Lord delivered the word for the day. All right? And he's telling you that if you do the things I'm preaching about this morning, you're going to cause harm. He didn't say maybe. Maybe. He didn't say possibly you could hurt somebody. He's saying you will cause harm if you behave like the world. He's saying that we do it through prayer. We get in Remember, I told you, I'm going into a prayer room. I'm trying to avoid uh, fist fighting, which honestly, I haven't had a fist fight for a long time. I'm probably much older than, I'm, than I think I am. But I'm telling you, you walk into the presence of God, He changes you every day. And we've got to get in his presence because if we don't, we're going to cause harm. And not only harm, we're going to cause harm to people who will be here for a moment and gone for eternity. This is big picture stuff, not little stuff. And you say, well, what about me? You don't know how much they've hurt me. If you're a believer, we're going to live for eternity in the presence of God. I ain't worried about you. I'm worried about the one that's going to cease um, and they're going to go on eternity lost forever, and you're angry at those people, and they are your adversary. And you're fretting, you're boiling all day about that anger for them when God wants to save them, and we should be praying for them. Hallelujah. Hey, man, this is some shouting stuff. <laughs> all right. This is good. Chapter, verse 9, 37, verse 9. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord will inherit the earth. There's the juxtaposition there. Why am I not worried as much about us? Because we're going to inherit the earth because we're meek. That means we have the power to harm them, but we're under control because we understand we're going to live for eternity with the Lord and we're blessed, and they are going to be cut off for eternity and not be blessed. And he goes on. But those who wait on the Lord will inherit the earth for yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. You might underline that in your Bible. Because if we wake up any day and we don't remember that, for yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. And if you want to, if you're okay with writing in your Bible, write down the names of your loved ones that are lost. Harsh, right? Write down the loved ones that are lost when it says, the wicked shall be no more. Write their names in there because it will help you every day to pray for the lost, to go after the lost, to love the lost, to not try to win an argument over their soul. I many understand what I'm saying. I know I'm harsh, but where else are you going to hear this? Where? We've only got a little time, church. Indeed, you will look carefully for the wicked's place, but they shall be no more. Man, that ought to make you cry right there. That ought to make you weep in your prayer room. I mean, if I had one day left, man, I would, I would be in that prayer with my face on the ground weeping. We're so caught up in all this worldly stuff, we're not in a prayer room praying. We're not seeking God for the lost. Indeed, you will look carefully for their place, but it shall be no more. But the meek will inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Man. Well, we have it good, don't we? (laughs) Lord has taken care of us, the one that needs the care of the lost. You know, we need to love them above all the hatred and division and fighting and all that. That shouldn't be a a realm that we're in right now. We should be in a realm of seeking God. Hallelujah. And then verse 12, it finishes. I'm going to finish with verse 12 through 15. It says, The wicked plot against the just. How many see that in the world we live in? If you're a Christian. And you're really living that out and you're a light and you're shining like the midday sun. How many know that on my back is a giant target? (laughs) And they will. He's telling you. He's not uh, saying it might happen. He's saying that the wicked will plot against the just. They will gnash at him with their teeth. But listen to this. The Lord laughs at him. For he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy to slay those who are upright, of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bow shall be broken. Do you see what a threat that the wicked are to the righteous? It's such a threat that God looks over and He kind of grins. He's just like... You're the righteous, God protects you, and you say, well, man, a wolf is vicious. The wicked are like wolves, aren't they? They devour, they go after the sheep, they are destructive to the sheep. Well, and a wolf is powerful, and a wolf is mean, and a wolf is vicious. Well, if a wolf is so bad, and so mean, and so tough, then why are there more sheep in the world than wolves? Ever thought about that? There should be more wolves than sheep, right? The sheep are protected. The sheep have a good shepherd. The Lord protects the sheep. The the wolf doesn't have a chance with the sheep. And so the wolf comes in and the shepherd, the God of heaven and earth, the most powerful being in the universe who created it all, the wolf comes in and goes... And the shepherd just kind of laughs. That's what's happening now, church. The wolves are devouring the world, and the sheep are scared to death, and the sheep are trying to fight back, and the Lord's saying, um, you know, he's looking at these little sheep who are growling and saying, we'll defend our territory. (laughs) And the Lord laughs. He's like, you know what? If you knew who was watching over you, you wouldn't be so scared of the wolf. He said, just dwell in the land, feed on my faithfulness, delight in my presence, and don't worry about the wolves. You've got a shepherd watching over you. You've got a gate around you. You're brought to still waters. I mean, can you imagine what would happen to any wolf in this world if God met them? I mean, church, we're protected, we're loved, we're cared for. Uh, Delight in God, love Him, know that we're good for eternity because God loves us and and He's affectionate toward us. And quit worrying about the wolves because here's the thing, there's going to come a day when the very last wolf is gone. God's going to remove them to the very last one. And guess who's going to inherit the earth? The earth. Not us, the meek. So if we're the meek, it would be us, and the meek are the ones who could do something, because they understand Psalm 37 <laughs> they're going to get it, take it to the Lord. We're not going to fight like human uh, the people around us fight. We're going to fight with spiritual weapons. We're going to fight through prayer. we're going to be fighting through doing good. How is that possible? You know, they're mean to us, they, they say all kinds of negative things against us. They want to literally kill us in some places. You know, I think if the laws were different, we would probably be rounded up and killed. What do we do? The Lord says, delight in His presence. Love Him, trust Him. Just go to the Lord in prayer and the Lord will instruct you. In fact, uh, one of the things that I pray a lot of times in the prayer room is, make my prayers efficient. Because I don't want to pray for world peace in every country and pray for, you know, 100,000 people. and um, So I get in the Lord's presence and I said, just make it simple. And you say, well, what is that like? And, and, and you, know, you know a president, he can't think of everything in the world that needs his attention, right? So how do they deal with that? So his mind isn't thinking of a hundred things. What do they do? Well, every morning they give him a briefing. And they say, here's this giant thing that's going on in the world, but here's a couple of lines from somebody that's put this report together. Here's the things you need to know that are important, bullets, a few of them. Here's this important thing over here that's going on, and here's a few bullets of what you need to know. So that's how you keep a president or a leader of state informed is you give them bullet points on important topics. So when I get in the presence of the Lord, guess what I'm looking for? Lord, just tell me what I need to pray for. Give me insight and give me a bulletin report. Brief me on what I need to pray about today. And guess what the Lord will do? When I'm in the presence of the Lord, people will come to my mind. And guess who I pray for? Those people. I'll see those faces. And can I tell you another thing? Most of the time when I'm in prayer, I don't know what to say, I don't know how to pray for certain people, for certain things. How many of you have ever been there? I'm so glad that the Bible says, when you don't know how you ought to pray, the Spirit will make intercession for you. Praying in the Spirit. And sometimes I take this for granted. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at 13 years old, speaking in other tongues, which is the only evidence The Bible gives that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit five times, and that's the one consistent uh, theme of all five is that there was the evidence of it by that. And so a lot of times in the prayer room, do you know that I'm going through every one of these prayers that God has briefed me? And usually I'll see, in fact, everybody in here, I go up and down the aisles, and I see faces. And when I see that face, and every one of your faces are in my prayers. I see that face, and guess what I do? I don't know what to pray for. Some I do, very few. But I pray in the Spirit. And praying in the Spirit is effortless. I'm promised when I pray in the Spirit, that I'm praying the will of God through the Holy Spirit. And so I spend two hours effortlessly praying through every need that I have by praying in the Spirit. And I say I take it for granted because I always assume people can spend two or three hours and. God's presence, and it's effortless, and it feels like you've been there for 10 minutes. But if you're not praying in the Spirit, it's very hard to do, I think. I think I take that for granted, that it's nearly two hours of praying in the Spirit. And that's why God, I think, operates through the gifts when I'm in the prayer room and when I'm in my normal prayer life. How many know that? How many know that there's more? Eddie talked about it last week. And uh, we've got a place now where you can seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it will help your prayer life tremendously. If you haven't received the baptism, just spend time in there. The Bible says, wait on the Lord and pray. And it says, God is a good father. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, he won't give you a serpent. (laughs) That's what he actually says. A good dad wouldn't come and give you a rock if you're asking for bread, right? He says, uh, and so am I, a good father, that I will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask me. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Church, I just want to welcome you to a life without fretting. God hasn't called us there. Uh, We're going to be ineffective in ministry. We're going to hurt a lot of people. Uh, We need to lay down all those emotions and say, man, Pastor Chad, I need to learn how to get in God's presence. I need to learn how to lay down all these negative emotions. And you guys know, I don't, you know, we can hide it in here, but a lot of our days are being Wasted because of negative emotions, fretting, anger, bitterness, worry. And I'm telling you, the only place I've learned to unburden that stuff is in the presence of the Lord, to delight in Him, to love Him, to take on Him, to put Him on me and function through me through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. Lord, I pray for your body, Lord God, that they would receive the word. Lord, to hear David and see David, Lord God, as an old man. And, and Lord, spent his whole life, Lord, in your presence and uh, loved your presence, Lord. He was a man after your heart, Lord God. And Father, I just pray that we learn from him. Lord, that we pattern our lives after your word. And, and Lord, that we would find a place in you and we would begin to know you, Lord. Lord, so many times we've heard about you. So many times we've honored you with our lips, Lord God, but, Lord, you want more, Lord. You want us to know you, Lord God, and be with you, Lord God, and, uh, Lord, communicate with you, Lord, and uh, hear your voice, Lord, and your love and your peace, Lord God, to settle upon us, Lord, to, to, to really know you, Lord God. That's what you want, Lord, and do that for the people in this church, Lord. Lord, teach them like you've taught me, Lord God. In our name I pray. Amen. Church, this altar is open. Find an altar at your seat. Let's worship for a few minutes here. Maybe 10, 15 minutes. We're we're very early today. uh, Let's just find a place. Let's learn how to get in the presence of the Lord. Let me know that we should be fighting to get in this church for the presence of the Lord. To get together in God's presence and to hear His voice. And and, uh, we should have a packed prayer room. Why? Because the Bible teaches intimacy with God. And how many know intimacy is not a uh, 15 minutes before and 30 minutes before the service, 15 minutes after the service? Intimacy is just saying, hey, God, this is the most important thing in my life. I need you more than anything. Hallelujah. Worship Him. If you need prayer, we're up here for you. I hurt people. I harm people. But If I can get a fullness of Him every day, if I can be what the Bible calls filled with the Spirit before I walk out the doors of my house, then there can be more of Him less of me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's a challenge. Lord, help us today, Lord. Oh, Lord God, make it a challenge, Lord God, all week have more of you and less of us, Lord God. Lord, the world has seen a lot of us. But Lord, the world needs more of you. So Lord, do that in your body, Lord God. Make us like you. Humble us, Lord. Work through us this week, Lord God. Let us come back, Lord God. More full of the Holy Spirit than when we left, Lord. You do a mighty work in this, Lord. In your name we pray. Everybody say. Amen. Hallelujah.